Welcome back. Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. I am Seth Leibson. I see Mr. Bill. I have David Dahl, Miss Teresa. Welcome, welcome, welcome all. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Arizona Statehood Day. And to those celebrating Ash Wednesday, may this Ash Wednesday bring you peace and spiritual insight. We forgot Shrove Tuesday yesterday. One might say we gave it short shrift. What we find in the unifications of these three moments, however, Valentine's Day, our state's birth, Ash Wednesday, is a collection, an agglomeration of one big thing, a celebration of love. Or perhaps it's better thought of as an offering of love, a commitment in seemingly short supply just now when we could really use it at its most needed or necessary time. On a day like today, of the three commemorations, almost every one or at least the majority of Americans would know it's Valentine's Day. Perhaps perhaps less so Ash Wednesday or the birth of an important part of our country. In the religious context, which is probably the best place to start when speaking of love, I once asked a rabbi, what is it God wants more than anything else? He said, the hardest thing there is to get along with others, to actually love them. The famous Rabbi Hillel in Judaism said if he had to sum up the entire five books of Moses or Torah in one line, it would be what is hateful to you do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. The rest is the explanation or commentary. Now go study it. Of course, in the Judeo-Christian tradition, you see an overlapping there, don't you? C.S. Lewis tells us in the opening of his book of essays on the four loves that God is love. And I think if you ask most Christian ministers if there is one summation of the Bible, it is just that, love. What are the four loves, as C.S. Lewis gives them out? Affection, or storge, as the Greeks had it. The humblest and most widely diffused of loves, he says. Then we have friendship, or philios. Then comes eros, or romantic love. Then we have what Lewis called charity, also known as agape. Is it easy to love God, he asks. It is for those who do it, he answered. But for a moment, I should like to speak of a unification of several of these, which is not talked about enough, not in contexts like we have today, and that is love of country. Lewis does not easily categorize that kind of love, the love of country, which is why I think of it as a unification of loves. He does write this, however, in his book, quote, those who would reduce reject patriotism entirely, do not seem to have considered what will certainly step, has already begun to step into its place. For a long time yet, or perhaps forever, nations will live in danger. Rulers must somehow nerve their subjects to defend them, or at least to prepare for their defenses. Where the sentiment of patriotism has been destroyed, this can be done by only presenting every international conflict in purely ethical light. If people will spend neither sweat nor blood for their country, they must be made to feel that they are spending them for justice or civilization or humanity, close quote. America cures this problem by making our love of country, our patriotism, not only a love for our fellow man, all being created equal, and that phrase having been written in Philadelphia, the city literally of brotherly love, that's what Philadelphia means, but also to use Lewis's construction in service to justice, civilization, and humanity. And no country founded on natural rights, as we were, that respects man as man and puts us all on equal footing by putting us all on the footing of equality below God, can abandon justice, civilization, or humanity. Which is why so many of us think of our founding 
as the best regime. The wedding on all that was given to us from both revelation and reason, what we speak of when we talk of the combining of Jerusalem and Athens. There's an interesting word for it all, isn't there? Wedding, day like today. Let's move this a bit more to what that other love is poking its beak through the eggshell patriotism, which connotes a different kind of love. As Professor Thomas Pangle has rightly said, the declaration by which Americans made themselves independent marked the birth of the first nation in history grounded explicitly not on tradition or loyalty to tradition, but on an appeal to abstract and universal and and philosophical principles of political right. Harry Jaffa, in an essay, The American Founding is the Best Regime, points out that the preamble of the Constitution crowns its enumeration of the ends of the Constitution by declaring its purposes to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. No words of the Constitution reveal the intention of the Constitution more profoundly than these. The preamble is the statement of the Constitution's purposes, and this culminating purpose embraces and transcends those that have gone before. Alone among the ends of the Constitution to secure liberty is called a securing of blessings. What is a blessing is what is good in the eyes of God. It is a good whose possession, by the common understanding of mankind, belongs properly only to those who deserve it. We remember that the final paragraph of the Declaration of Independence appeals to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. And it is by the authority of these good people of these colonies that independence is declared. It is because of this assurance of their rectitude that this good people and their representatives placed a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. We commonly call blessed those who enjoy in great measure wealth and health and freedom, and so it is that men pray just for these things. Just so, no other foundation or founding so wonderfully provides these, which is why Abraham Lincoln could say this about patriotism or love of country, as he said it in his eulogy of Henry Clay. Mr. Clay's predominant sentiment, he said, from first to last, was a deep devotion to the cause of human liberty, a strong sympathy with the oppressed everywhere, and an ardent wish for their elevation. With him, this was a primary and all-controlling passion. Subsidiary to this was the conduct of his whole life. He loved his country partly because it was his own country, but mostly because it was a free country. And he burned with a zeal for its advancement and prosperity and glory because he saw in such the advancement, prosperity, and glory of human liberty, human right, and human nature. And he desired the prosperity of his countrymen, partly because they were his countrymen, but chiefly to show the world that free men could be prosperous. Do we not begin now, then, to see two different different tides flowing in this country, one which embraces and represents all of that, and one that thinks such a sentiment is quaint at best and ignorant at worst? And if ignorant, then in need of reteaching or consciousness raising, perhaps fundamental transformation. There are those, in other words, who think we are the last best hope of earth, as Lincoln put it, and there are those that think we are, believe it or not, rotten to the core or from the core, responsible for the worst ills of humanity. There are those we who try to teach how great we are. There are those who try to teach how bad we are. It must all start with a certain view of man, though, shouldn't it? 
a natural view, that man is imperfect. And once one knows this, then a measurement of imperfection is required. But to the politically correct, the answer is no, never. Again, to borrow from Dr. Jaffa, since in our age of relativism we do not know what is right or wrong, we show our sophistication by patronizing indifferently the different concepts of right and wrong as they manifest themselves in different cultures or in different ways of life. Unfortunately, some cultures celebrate human sacrifice, cannibalism, slavery, sute. So political correctness arbitrarily tells us we are no better than any of that, and morality becomes a matter of what you happen to like. So how do we instill a love of country, this country, and reclaim patriotism as a standard benchmark that will stop, isolate, shame even those who would teach otherwise? This is what takes me to the second thing I wanted to say today, this Valentine's Day, because it also leads us into the federal holiday known as Washington's birthday. In the modern parlance, the official name of Washington's birthday has been changed to President's Day. Speaking of relativism, all presidents being equal, I guess, Andrew Andrew Johnson as much as Abraham Lincoln, I suppose, James Buchanan as much as Ronald Reagan. But that is all a corruption, a relativism and a corruption, not only of history, but of the very point of Washington's birthday in the first place. For by celebrating him, by studying him, one gets all the classic virtues that help instill a great love of this country, and thus it was truly no accident that the left went on a cherivery to get rid of Washington's name and statues, and we'll say more about that when we come back. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That's a fun oldie. You betcha. We're going to be doing love songs all day if I can uh, get in there quick enough to change the songs. Johnny Lee sings that. That was from uh, what movie? John Travolta, right? Uh, Urban Cowboy. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, Urban Cowboy. Yeah, and Johnny Lee was married to? Thereabouts. I don't know. I don't know. Lucy Ewing from Dallas. Charlene Tilton. Oh. They probably. Oh, they as pro- in the character. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, they probably met at. Uh, Mickey Gillies. Well, now do I need to play Dallas? No. <laughs> no, you no, do not. No. no, you do not. I almost was tempted to just not uh, acknowledge <laughs> Valentine's Day at all. Maybe I could have just done a, uh, a potpourri of Arizona music all day. There's not a lot, but you should play some Dolan Ellis. Can you find some Dolan Ellis music? D-O-L-A-N-E-L-L-I-S. I would like Arizona I-10 Highway. Oh, Tuba City Truck. Who's going to run the truck stop in Tuba City? That was a national hit. You little, want that? A little, little hard to get it. Uh, no, it isn't. You'll get it. You can find it. On the fly. No, well, you don't we'll need it right. We'll find it. You have, we'll commercial, find it. you have commercial breaks. Commercial breaks? You wanted to do Arizona. Who do you think's playing the commercials? <laughs> you wanted to do Arizona. I'd give you a hard time. Dolan Ellis. Who's going to run the truck stop in Tuba City and Arizona I-10 Highway? I know you can find them. He used to be with the new Christie Minstrel Singers. You know that group? Kenny Rogers was part of them. Anyway, back to uh, my show where I was tying (laughs) President's Day or Washington's birthday to the three things that we think about on a day like today, Arizona's birth, Valentine's Day, and Ash Wednesday. Um, I hope it's not too much in 
a stretch. But in thinking about Washington's birthday, by celebrating him, by studying him, I think one does get all the classic virtues that help instill a love of country, as I was saying, which is why the left doesn't want us knowing of him anymore. And so we have so few characters in our history children can look to or be taught to esteem, especially if we take down statues and monuments to them. This is a tactic and a deliberate one. And thus we arrive at the very serious problem of an abandonment of affections from our own country. A downgrading, if not dismissal, of one of the most important loves, the love of this country. Starting in the schools, but emanating outwards, almost naturally, in some odd adherence to a noble lie, I suppose, perhaps an ignoble lie, I ask... How many of your children in this audience can tell you anything about George Washington? Serious question. If so, do they know anything more than he was the first president? And if so, I'll bet you it's that he owned slaves. I bet that's all they know of him. Do they know he inherited them at the young age of 11 and that he freed them? I bet they don't know that. Do they know in his will the elderly enslaved people or those who were too sick to work were to be supported by his estate in perpetuity? I bet they don't know that. If you do not have a close person, a close one to share your love with, or if you do not commemorate Ash Wednesday, maybe today's a good day to do something good about love generally, and maybe that can be love of country or patriotism, doing something in service to your country. Read why Ronald Reagan warned the study of American history to be his last message from the right White House, why, why he thought it was so important. Read that. Read his farewell address. Or read some Lincoln, perhaps, starting with, I don't know, the eulogy of Henry Clay, if you want. Or his Lyceum address, something Hugh Hallman and I were down to quite a bit. Or read some George Washington, especially what others said about him. This is a man we all grew up with knowing as first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen. That's the tricolon we all knew about George Washington once. What's been done to him is a shame and shameful. But there's your heart again. There's that beating heart, that symbol of love. First in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of his countrymen. That's what we knew of him. As David McCullough, the great historian, passed away a few years ago, reminds us, you cannot teach any more than you can know what you do not love. He said that to a testimony before the United States Senate. You cannot teach any more than you can know what you do not love. And I give you the state of the profession of teaching about this country these days. It's not my country right or wrong. You can be a loving critic of your country. I still think the left had somewhat of a point when they said dissent is patriotic. I say somewhat of a point because it's a part of patriotism. It shouldn't be the defining part of patriotism. The idea that you can question your government is a reason to love a government that allows you to question them. I say it's also partially true because they don't believe it. They don't believe it. When they're in power, dissent is not patriotic. It's extremism and disinformation. It's radicalism. It's a threat to the health and safety of our Constitution and democracy. 
They don't believe it. Only when they're in power, when they're not in power, do they believe it. And even then, they probably don't get it quite right. So it's not perhaps appropriate to say every teacher of history or every teacher of civics has to have an unwavering love of this country. That would be too much to ask. But with the near unanimity of the profession that teaches is responsible for teaching history and civics, not only doesn't love this country, but does hate it. You're in deep soup, which is what we are in right now. Deep soup. Because generations have been taught not to question this country or this country's leadership, but to hate it. But to hate it. If you raised a voice of dissent about Biden or tried to raise a point of concern about what Tony Bobolinsky testified to yesterday with the corruption of the Biden family, yes, including Joe Biden, you would be shut down. That's why it's nowhere in the New York Times or Washington Post today. And if they ever do write a story about Hunter Biden's relationship with his business dealings in Joe Biden, they will say, with allegations unproven, that Joe Biden profited from any of it. And those allegations remain unproven only to the degree that the media refuses to report on them. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show on this Arizona's birthday and Valentine's Day. That's actually, I think, the most beautiful love song of all, one, maybe one of the top five most beautiful of all time by Rascal Flatts, God Bless the Broken Road. One of the best friends to myself and this show is John Dabrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, grandcanyonplanning.com, his website, great place to um, go to to reach out to him and see what Grand Canyon Planning Associates may do for you. He brings us our culture and economy segment. Hello, John. Happy Arizona birthday, Valentine's Day. Yes. And Happy Ash anniversary Wednesday. and, yeah. uh, you know, Valentine's Day to you and the staff there as well. Thank you. I assume Miss Tracy has the whole house decorated in hearts and red and cupids uh, a, and things. A, a little bit, a little bit. She yeah, can. and we're, we're going to the MIM again tonight to see a nice concert there, so Aww. that's going to be fun. And yeah. God bless you for saying MIM. Yeah. And not then saying what MIM stands for, thus right. defeating the purpose. You know I love you for that. <laughs> um uh, John, yesterday we were talking uh, about you know a, a fairly dramatic uh, downward move in the market, and you said, "Yeah, but just watch, just watch." And it's all green today. <laughs> the Russell, the Nasdaq, the S and P, Dow Jones. It all yeah, went we up. had a nice recovery. Yeah, the yeah, Dow, yeah. the Dow lagged a little bit yeah. today, but tech stocks, the S and P five hundred. Yeah, they did yeah, rally yeah, back. Yeah. Not not a hundred percent of the, what they were down yesterday, but my gosh, I mean, it was pretty broad rally. Yeah, yeah, and you you said it would. Um, but talk to me about um, something we talk about on the show quite often, actually, and David Schweikert joins us to talk about this. But now it's catching on a little bit. The national debt threat. Say yeah. something about that. It's funny that you said it's catching on. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Like, really? Yeah. Does it At, have to catch on? Yeah, Isn't it something that's been looming? the magic number. Yeah. Yeah. It's been looming out there right yeah. now. This is the CBO reported right. um, basically stating that the deficit, uh, they expect it to grow over, uh, you know, another trillion dollars over the next 10 years, uh, which, again, is, is certainly something that makes this country weaker 
as a nation because it's going to cut into spending that we, you know, our discretionary spending and, and allocating to spending not only to make sure that we as citizens who are paying taxes into this uh, and into the Social Security system may, you know, some of those benefits may be at risk. Some of the programs that help the underprivileged may be at risk, but also our defense of this country. Yeah. Uh, and the defense of the rest of the world, when you think about the money we spend uh, helping other countries around the world, I mean, all of these things are should be of concern uh, to our politicians as, as it is to all of us as citizens. Um, we want to make sure that we have a healthy uh, government, and we want to make sure that we have the money to be able to pay for the things that we need as a country to continue to prosper. And uh, as these numbers, the deficit starts to grow, that starts to erode uh, even some of the freedoms that we may have in the future because of it. Yeah. I mean, you think when this thing hits um, hits its peak, it's it, it, it's going to be like doing anything. It, doing anything in this country is going to be like trying to turn a destroyer around in something yeah. like the Panama Canal, a near impossibility. One of the things in this story you sent me over from CNBC, I believe it was, Mm-hmm. was what the CBO director said, which is under current law, there would not be enough resources to pay the promised benefits of Social Security. Social Security, right. Now, you've warned mm-hmm. about this for years, too, because, you know, you have always said, you know, Social Security, if that's your entire plan, you need a new plan, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, for people right now that are maybe, they have their home paid off, they have maybe a small pension coming in and Social Security coming in, and they don't live extremely beyond their means, maybe some people out there can sort of get by on that. But the average person uh, is struggling right now with this inflationary pressure that we've been feeling for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, even though Social Security has gone up, it has not kept up with inflation. Right. Uh, and that's just one piece of many of uh, you know the the retirees out there's income right social security maybe they're pulling money from their retirement accounts, uh, but again when you had a in 2023 that was a difficult time for yep. stocks yep. the market was down 2022 into 2023 I should say we see a nice recovery here uh, year end for 23 and into 24. but uh, if you're pulling money out of those retirement accounts and you're seeing the value of those go down. Uh, because of uh, market performance and you're withdrawing money out of that, you know, you start to get concerned really fast. And yep. so there are strategies out there that we can talk uh, with people about and help help our clients with that can secure income that they can feel confident and comfortable. Uh, as, I, as I say, not to run out of money before you run out of time. Uh, and that is something that uh, I think people are really concerned about and more than happy to sit down and talk with uh, anyone out there who would like to discuss their situation. Go to our website at GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Everyone who does that tells me about it loves having done so with you. You're just the best, John. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Seth. You thank bet. you. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Henry Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Happy. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. I'm long gone with each puff of the diesel stack. I used to know all those songs. Dolan Ellis, yeah. Bill, he's been in here at least one. I think we've had Dolan Ellis in here twice, if I'm not mistaken. Does that ring a bell to you? I think we have. And um, and then I've seen him a few times. I grew. He used to have a, a club. I don't know if anyone remembers it. He used to have a club in Old Scottsdale called the Tuba City Truck Stop. And um, he would perform every night. It was kind of like a dinner theater situation. 
and it was a great menu. They had great beef ribs. You can't get beef ribs anywhere. I remember they had great barbecue beef ribs there. And uh, I remember my parents took me. I was a young kid, and he would perform on stage. He had a song called Therapeutic Four-Wheel Drive. See if you find that one, David. You don't have to if you're tired of it. But he had a song called Therapeutic Four-Wheel Drive, and I remember I was in the um, second grade, and uh, he asked the audience, he said, we have a lot of, lot of kids in here. Is anyone, does it, are there any kids that even know what therapeutic means? And I raised my hand and I said, it's, it's like some medicine, something that makes you feel better. And he said, buy that young man a Coke. And the waiter came over and you know what my parents did? The killjoys that they are. They said, make it a Sprite. <laughs> they, didn't want me, they didn't want me to have Coke. Uh, this is what happens when you have a um, hyperthymesic memory like I have. But uh, Dolanel is still around, and um, Arizona's official state balladeer. And the new Christy Minstrels, David, which you mocked and scoffed at, was quite a band. Barry McGuire was in it. You played him yesterday on the eve of destruction. Yeah. Uh, Kim Carnes was in it. Kenny Rogers was in it. Dolan Ellis was in it. And yet you mocked. How did I mock it? You mocked Dolan Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. Not mockable. Arizona official state balladeer. It's been Got in it. here twice. Twice. They, they, they missed a big one when they let, then they let Marty Robbins' contract run out. Well, was he the balladeer before Dolan? I think Dolan was the first and last. I have no idea. First and I'm only. just saying I think we have better options of Arizona music. Yeah, we don't. He's great. He's great. Linda Ronstadt? Come on. She doesn't sing about Arizona. Ooh. She has one song. So- one, uh, one, there's one, one lyric in one song <laughs> that mentions Tucson. That's it. And it's a Paul Simon song to boot. Yes. That's, that's right, it. Yeah. She doesn't sing about Arizona. Dolan Ellis sings exclusively about Arizona. He has a song about the Mogollon Monster. Our I version don't even of, know what that is. It's our version of Sasquatch. The mo what? The Mogion Monster. Mogion Monster. Yeah, M O G O L L O N. You know who's writing all this down? Listener Mark. Listener <laughs> Mark is writing truth. all this down. I have told you again and Along again and again. When you need, learn a new word, you should write it down because you will then have a big vocabulary. And Mark texted me yesterday. Oh my goodness! Saying, I saw this as well. Yes saying that he had all these words from last week that he had collected, and he did a great job of them. And I just thought it would have been great if, um, you know, the guy sitting across from me wrote him down. He wrote comestible, epigrammatic, talisman, predation, deprecated, adumbrating, purient, instantiation, iotrogenesis, asymptotic, quietus, vomitus, ensercel, order omorum, reticular prescind, in hack verba, non compass mentis. Now, he can do all that. From wherever he is, North Carolina. And I'm going to bet you can't remember the two words Bill Buckley used from yesterday because you didn't write them down. Elucidate the propensity? <laughs> no. Am I right? No. Elucidate something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 50%. That's an F. That's Mark an F. did. Mark did ask me how Dagny was doing. He hasn't. Uh, he said we haven't done a Dagny report in some time. She's doing great. Thank you for asking. Mark's own dog, Reagan has been having strokes in the middle of the night, so we send our prayers for Reagan. It is interesting, isn't it, our love of animals and uh, how much they tug at our heartstrings. I don't know if you're like me, if you're on Twix much, 
prodigious. Prodigious. If right. you um, maybe you'll start writing things down. If you um, f- have a feed on Twix, it's amazing to me how many animal videos get shown. How I, I'm thinking about this on Valentine's Day, which is you know obviously something we celebrate love of fellow humans for loved ones amongst our our human family. But the love of an animal is something quite different. And if you have a feed like mine, and maybe maybe it's self-selecting, I don't know. I get all these animal feeds. There's been a video that's been going around on Twix for 10 days now at least, and I get it at least three times a day, of a baby polar bear. Have you guys seen this? A baby polar bear follow, falling in, in, in the drink, <laughs> if you will, and it can't get out, and the mom jumps in. And pushes it out and teaches it how, and it's it's beautiful. One of the things I learned, this was interesting about the tug animals have has on our spirits and souls. Sometimes I guess we care more about them than fellow humans. Um, when I was running the uh, chairing the uh, initiative to stop marijuana legalization in 2016, the time we were successful in doing it. Um, we made all these ads, you know, television and otherwise, social media ads. And um, they were all strong. They were all powerful. And they talked about, you know, what marijuana would do to our youth and what it does to the brain and what it does to people who are susceptible to psychotic episodes and all kinds of things. The one that tested the highest above any of them was one that shows what happens if a dog a pet dog ingests it accidentally there were these people they should be in jail i hope they are they had made videos actually of giving their dog some and it was awful to watch but there is an issue of animals ingesting it accidentally too and that moved more people when we did the beta or whatever you call the testing the dial testing on these it's so interesting to me that we somehow care Maybe it's not a permanent thing. Maybe it's a temporary. Maybe it's a sudden impact thing. We seem to care more about the um, the animals um, and the pets in our lives than we do fellow humans. Now, part of this might be very much a filial kind of love, a parental kind of love, in the sense that they are so dependent on us. They are our responsibility in a way that perhaps our adult children cease being. I don't know. Or adult people in our lives aren't i don't know there might be something to that if anyone has a theory on it i'd love to hear it i'm all ears six as ross pearl would say six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero be right back (laughs) i think he's wrong about that young david what do you think (laughs) oh i think it's hard if you're on the receiving end it's hard oh it's oh i see what you're saying it's hard to take it's not hard to do Right. Yeah, it's very her, easy to her problem. say we're over. He could have said take. It's hard to process. <laughs> Portions of this show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They offer a heck of a great investment opportunity in a secure and collateralized portfolio where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the federal reserve. You, of course, will get with Y-Refi a monthly statement with no surprises. But there's no attack on principle either if you ever need your money back. There are absolutely no fees. Of course, you can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. And they're based here locally, right on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can visit with them 
They won't give you a sales pitch. They won't ask you to sign anything. Or you can check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. Our friends at Issues and Insights have an interesting theory. They write, in the span of just a few days, articles started appearing making the exact same argument that Joe Biden will definitely, no questions asked, be the nominee come this November. So naturally, we are left wondering what Democrats have up their sleeve to get the flailing president off the ballot. On Monday, Vox.com published a lengthy article titled, Yes, Democrats, it's Biden or bust. The next day, Politico ran a large, a lengthy piece titled, Get Used to It, Biden Didn't Going Anywhere. New York Magazine ran a piece. Yes, Democrats can still replace Biden, but they won't. And the National Interest ran a piece titled, Dem- Democrats will have are stuck with Joe Biden. We're not suggesting there was plagiarism here, but mainstream journalists aren't the most independent thinkers on the planet which suggests that they are getting their information from the same sources. They go on to make the point that all the Democratic elites seem to be behind Biden right now, and they all dismiss the idea that he would voluntarily drop out because nobody wants Kamala Harris to be the nominee because she is the easiest of all Democrats per every polling we can find to defeat. So... You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to think that they're all reading from the same talking points. A. B. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to think they have something up their sleeve because this is simply untenable. All right. A lot more coming up and your calls. 602-508-0960. I'm Seth and we'll be right back.